Welcome to episode number 28. I am your host, Sebastian Engstrom, and today, Tom Callis joins me. He is an elite power lifter. He holds the world record in his weight class for squats. I mean, multiple of them, five of them. It's a lot. He is also a entrepreneur, businessman. He is a lineman, so blue collar all the way. We get into how he does it as a husband, father, entrepreneur, power lifter. The guy barely sleeps. We get into his training, his diet, his mindset, how he goes about his life, and how he is able to achieve these monstrous results. It's a fascinating conversation. And if you haven't checked out our programs that we have, check them out the strength, the uh, calisthenics, gymnastics, CrossFit programs. Check them out at safina.io or safinastrength.com. And to receive 15% off your first month, hit safina, all caps, 15 you get 15% off your first month. I do these programs. I couldn't find them out there. That's why I created them. They are video instructions. They're easy to follow. I mean, there's a reason why I am looking and fit the way I am. So <laughs> check them out. I'll be there to coach you throughout the journey. So um, enjoy the those. And if you haven't done so so far to keep this show running, to repay do a good favor of the day please if you're on apple scroll down hit five stars or hit like subscribe if you're on any other platform too this greatly helps us thank you for doing so and if you enjoy the show please i ask you this small favor now enjoy the, f- the show and the episode with tom tom callis freaking amazing to have you here welcome brother yeah, happy to be on, man. Appreciate you reaching out and uh, working through Danny a little bit to get me on. Danny's yeah, good dude. for sure. So we're talking about Danny from Caffeine and Kilos, and you're drinking out of your cup there. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's early in the morning, and this is freaking fascinating. With most high performers that I speak to, you just said you're an early riser, 4 a.m. It's just a, it's a regular thing. Like, how would you describe yourself? Like, what? You do a shit ton of things. So who are you, Tom? Yeah. Man, I just, I just want to fucking try everything. Like at first, like I get obsessed with, I get obsessed with things. Like, so I'm a lineman. I work on power lines here in the, towards the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I loved it for a while. It was all I want to do. I'm going to work as much as I can. I'm going to be here as much as I can. This is what I'm going to do. Only thing I'm going to do, I'm going to focus on this. I got pretty good at it. And then I'm like, it's kind of boring. <laughs> it's still a great job. I love doing it, but I'm like, well, eh, I want to do something else. So then we started a training company with my buddy, started doing podcasting, um, started a couple other actually businesses. I'm looking at starting another small business. Um, and then I was actually working at um, a farm where they had, was a professional bull riding bulls. They <laughs> kept them there. And he was like five minutes down the road from me. I'm like, do you, you ride these? He goes, yeah, we take them to shows in Texas. And then uh, my son's like fifth in the world. I go, dude, can I, can you teach me? He goes, yeah. When he comes, when he comes back home, like you come by anytime you want. I go, don't like, don't tease me because I'm five minutes from you and I will come uh, down. Yeah. And I got to walk through the stables and check out the bulls. I'm like, I got to try bull riding. Like, I don't know. I just like to do anything, anything and everything I can get my hands on. You know, I just don't want no regrets, no, nothing holding me back. Just as much as I can fire away keep going i'll get up earlier i'll stay up later i just like trying new shit so (laughs) so you having some big numbers in the big three is it you that manhandles the bull or the other way around how how is that uh 
these bulls are big. I didn't realize how big. You know, you watch it, you like see it on TV and yeah. stuff. You're like, oh, yeah. that's that's a big bull. In person, I'm like, oh shit, that's uh-huh. a big, that's a big boy. Okay. It'd be, it'd be, it would be a definitely, it'd probably be more injury prone than anything. I bet getting launched from the bull. But I think I'm like, man, it'd be cool just to try it. You know, especially because it's right down the road. I almost can't say no. Yeah, yeah, dude, that is that is a freaking highlight in its own like is it are there competitions i assume there are in illinois too yeah because they have like the rodeos and stuff so i mean i I didn't dig that far into it because it's like literally last week and i was just talking to my wife she goes you're not riding a bull i'm like well well, i'm gonna try it i like just like get on one if it really sucks well then hey i tried it okay all right now on to the next thing you know yeah 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 dude okay then what what is this um what is this new business that you have in mind um, I was actually thinking about, so around here, like, it's like one of those businesses you don't really think about that could be super, super profitable, but it's uh tree trimming hmm. and like around here, like you go to someone's house and drop a tree, you make like three grand in a day. Wow. So I was like, well, maybe I'll go buy a bucket truck, go to people's yards, trim their trees, walk around, knock on doors. And half the time starting a chainsaw in someone's backyard is marketing. Cause everybody's like, I need a tree trimmed. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'll do that. So I just like I'm just kind of all over the place, and usually my wife has to like hold me back sometimes. Yeah, She's yeah, like, yeah. You do yes. you're doing too many things, and I'm like, yes. ah, I'm not doing this. You know, I mean, there is <laughs> there is no too many. I could completely relate to that. Yes, thank God for the wives. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> so, but you have some. We haven't talked about this, but it's early on. But you have some big numbers, some world record numbers. Like we, you didn't, you barely yeah. mentioned that. Like what, what, what's, yeah, how, 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 how big, <laughs> how big part of your life is that? Um, it's still pretty big. I mean, no matter what I'm doing in, at work, outside of work, side ventures, whatever, whatever, I'm always in the gym four or five days a week. Guys are coming. I built, um, I built a four car garage in my house in Fortune have, and I just matted the whole thing mm. and then got like a bunch of equipment. So I have like monolift a bunch of bars like nautilus equipment leg extensions leg curls like everything you need to do powerlifting. um so i have guys that come over twice a week and train with me a um, little bit of a team kind of thing we have going on so i'm always training four days a week no matter what hmm. you know and then if i can find a competition i'll do a competition and, and it'll probably get backed off to like yearly because i figure I, to me the the better you get or the more time you spend on the sport you have to do less like hmm. more competitions is not better for me yeah. less competitions uh-huh. i'd rather be really good at one meet a year than like decent at four and it's just it's tough on the body with work schedule like yeah my normal job like this week i put in 98 hours and they called me last night at like two in the morning wanted me to come in again like, nah i'm not today's halloween you know so it's just like finding that time and then this went into my, my last meet prep i'm working like 80 to 100 hours a week and i'm up at 11 i get home at 11 o'clock at night i have to train until like I'll probably make my training sessions a little shorter. So it'd be like 1230. And then I'm back up at 430 because I got shit to do on the computer for the training business before I go back to work another 16 hour trip. So it's like at a certain point, it's like, I can only probably do this so often to, you know, cause training heavier takes so much out of you. Mm-hmm. Like if it was like shorter, smaller workouts, I could probably bang it out and work a lot. It wouldn't really bother me, but having that act of that recovery, that CNS recovery, oh, for the sure. heavy weights by yourself at midnight, it's not very fun. It's hard, hard to do. And I'm like, man, this is not that great. So I'm probably going to back it off to like one competition a year and try to aim it to where I'm less busy at work. Just because like the sleeping aspect is like, 
my biggest failure. Like I'm, I'm terrible at sleeping. Just don't. Oh, okay. How many hours do you function on? Um, throughout the whole prep, I'd probably average like five. I mean, some days it'd be two and a half hours. No. Some days it'd be six. It just depended on what my schedule was, what was going on. Um, but I would say average of five, uh, which it's not terrible, but it ain't great for recovery. It sucks. Jesus. You know, and, uh, it's just rough. Yeah. I mean, but, but given how you look right now, if you put in 98 hours and doing everything that you're doing, you, you've been blessed with some, uh, some incredible genes. I'll, I'll tell you that for, if you're able to function and be as sharp as you are right now, dude, I'm yeah, I, I don't know if it's genes or just it's drive. I just I like doing a lot of shit. Like when you reach out to me at like six a.m., I go, yeah, fuck yeah, let's go. I got time. <laughs> I make time. I'll get up at four and then do my programming, and then I'll be free at six. Um, and I've always read that too. If if, if you keep, I I, I I don't know. When I grew up, I was always you get up early during the week, kind of, and then the mm -hmm. weekends you sleep in as much as you can, right? Yes. And the more I've read about like sleep, because I'm terrible at it, so I'm trying to like which way can I get around this? Yeah. Is if you just wake up at the same time every day your body like adjusts it and likes that more. Sure. So sleeping in the weekends for me, I feel like shit. Yep. I sleep until eight. I feel like garbage when I wake up. Yeah. So I'm like, at the latest, I'll get up at five every day, no matter what. That way my body knows it's always five o'clock. Always, always, always. You know, and if it's earlier, if I gotta get up, I got stuff to do, then I get up at four. But it doesn't really bother me. So so I'll give you this contrast. I was functioning on six to six and a half hours of sleep to seven. And this was me eventually after a year just feeling like garbage. Like I would repeatedly forget things. I would um, be a dick literally because I was just yeah. feeling like shit. And this yep. is just me. I am one of those people. I need to sleep a lot. If I don't sleep a lot, I am just an ass. Like I, I'm not an asshole, but I, I, I become very easily irritated and I start forgetting things. I'm not paying attention. I'm not present. Yeah. And it's just like, then, then it's not, I mean, what's the, what's the purpose of doing anything if I can't even function? You clearly, like yeah. right now, like I see, like you're you're on it. Everything is easily like lining up for you. So hey, I'm uh, that's amazing. That's incredible that you can have so many irons in the fire and uh, be as sharp as you are and function at the. I mean, Jesus Christ, like ninety. I'll, I'll just touch on this. Ninety hours. What's an average work week? How many hours? Um, I mean, sometimes I mean, honestly, sometimes it's sixty. Probably average. 60 to 65 average and then when we get busy it's 90 to 100 and this so is it's you, not like and this is you choosing this this is your choice yeah so well sometimes i don't have a choice like if uh. there's like a lot of people out of power there's like you're not you're, you don't go home you go home and sleep you can have eight hours off and then we need you back for 16 there is no choice and so that sometimes it's you're we just call it being forced you're forced there's no you're here you have to work for 16 hours and then you get released for it then you're back at 16 um and then sometimes it's voluntarily just because i get greedy and I, I like my job so i'm like ah, i don't mind i'll stay you know i'll help the guys out so a little bit of both and being okay just just doing that on its own would be just overwhelming for one person you do so much more on top of that too but the interesting part is the family part how do you get like when when how do you get that to work when when you're coming home and you're yeah. lifting and you're not waking up yeah. your kids by dropping 700 pounds on yeah. the floor in a deadlift. Like. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean the, the, the work life balance to me is kind of, I just don't think there's a balance. Uh -huh. I really just don't like, okay. So work wants a hundred percent of me. Training needs a hundred percent dedication. Uh -huh. My wife needs a hundred percent. My kids need a hundred percent. 
the side gigs me 100%. Hey, the guy you haven't talked to in a long time that wants to hang out and grab a beer wants 100%. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you're just not going to fucking get it. You're mm-hmm. just not. It just doesn't work that way. It, yeah. I mean, yeah, if I worked a nine to five and I was home every day at 4.30 and I could train after the kids went to bed and the life was perfect, I had a five-hour chunk of time with them and then go train. Like, yeah, that'd be great and work-life balance. But for me, it's like, it's just not there. Mm-hmm. So some days, you know, sometimes I go three, four, five days without seeing my kids and that fucking sucks. Wow. And especially because I work right down the road and I still don't go to see them. So usually what I'll do is if I'm super busy at work, I can try to shoot home for lunch, hang out with them for an hour and then go back, which sounds like I did that this week. Um, or if I can get off at a reasonable time, like four or five, then at that time it's strictly dedicated to my kids, you know, from the five to eight o'clock um, area to what time they go to bed. And then it's either training afterwards or just strictly time with the wife. So mm-hmm. it's like, I just try to carve out chunks and then like sometimes trainings after everybody's asleep because then I don't feel guilty because everybody's sleeping. I'm only hurting my own sleep. So I'm like, oh, I'll just train now. And then like same thing versus getting up in the morning. If I get up at four, I have usually like my daughter is an early riser with me. She gets up at like six, but I'm like, I can have another two hours to where I don't, I don't feel guilty because I don't really like, I don't like working on the computer. I don't really like doing anything else when I'm home besides being with the family. You know, that's why I train with people sleeping. I work when people are sleeping. It's easier that way. So I don't think I've ever come across a, well, let alone a regular person, but an elite performer like yourself who trains at midnight, more or less, like, like late at night. How, like, are you able to just, you're out because of the CNS fatigue and you're just all the the hormones and you're just, you're done. I go to bed now. I can fall asleep right now. Like I just, like yeah i'm fine i go to sleep anytime like i like i have a sleep app on my phone it's called sleep cycle uh-huh. kind of helps me monitor how shitty of sleep i'm getting because it just uh-huh. it'll track me and some nights i'm like oh i did really good or i slept really deep or whatever so it's kind of cool just to uh, log it um and some nights it'll say by the time i put my phone down two minutes i was fast asleep wow like it's just i'm i'm done when i lay down on that bed i'm dead i'm dead to the world so like i get up like sometimes like i remember last time like about a month ago I was still in a uh, prep for a show uh, competition and I'm like driving home at 11 o'clock at night. And I'm just like yelling at myself, like, you're just going to drop your bag and you're going to train. You're going to drop your work bag, you're gonna change your jeans. You're going to train. Like I have to keep telling myself cause I'm like, Oh, I don't want to do anything. Like I'm yeah. just dead. Yeah. You know? And then that night, like I talked myself into like a huge double PR because <laughs> I just, it's just like that mindset. Like yeah. you're going to the gym, you're going to, you're not going to put in a shit hour. Because yep. you're already seeing a blade, so you might as well make a count. So I could slam a pre-workout at 11, train till 12.30, and I will fall asleep at 12.35. Like, wow. it just, I'm dead, done, you know? So, the pre-workout, give a shout-out, might as well do it. What is it? Yeah, Huckfin Barbell. Yeah. Uh, it's a buddy of mine. We've been good friends for a dozen years now. Uh-huh. Um, he's a little bit, I'd say, probably social media famous. Does a lot of crazy stunts and stuff. He's a wild man. Um, and he came out with his own supplement brand about a year or two ago. Um, awesome product. It's intense. It's a lot of caffeine, but it's, uh, it makes it a great product. He really does. Okay. So, so you, you're okay. This has another layer. It's full of caffeine and you slam it down at 11. Okay. Yeah. Right. It just doesn't do like, I don't know. Like it'll hit me for like that hour. Yeah. And I can still tell like so, sometimes if I take too much, it'll take me like 20 minutes to get to like, just to finally fucking relax yeah. when I'm in bed. And I can tell my like, fuck, I took too much. Um, 
but still like i just i don't know i've always been the type of person like, my head hits the pillow i'm that's it okay i'm out so, so going into your training what does that look like you said four to five times a week you take us through what is the structure like so typically typically it's uh monday tuesdays wednesday off thursday friday so i'll have an upper like a so if i'm in prep it'll be a heavy bench day on a monday which is usually solo um which that, that makes it kind of hard but uh and then tuesdays is deadlift days i usually get a couple guys to come out and train on deadlift days unless it's super late then i just do it myself mm-hmm. wednesday is always off day and that's when i usually podcast at night mm-hmm. um because it's an off day so it's easy for me uh, Thursdays is if I'm in prep, like if I'm deep into prep and I have three weeks out, sometimes I don't train Thursdays. Cause it's like a shoulder day. It's like either a heavy barbell overhead press movement or like arms, shoulders, rear delts and stuff. And sometimes I feel like you get so beat up that mm-hmm. extra accessory work three weeks out really doesn't, doesn't aid to your right. total in three weeks. Sometimes it actually hinders it yep. because you're overtraining, especially cause I wasn't sleeping. I definitely wasn't sleeping a lot during this prep. I'd skip it because I'm like, it's just not, I don't really care if I, my biceps aren't strong. Like I don't need them. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't really bother me to skip that basically because yeah. I'm not going to shoulder press heavy because I'm barbell benching heavy. So I really can't hit both without fully recovering. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I'd skip it. But when I'm typically in an off season, I'm always hitting, hammering like an overhead press movement and then arms that day. And then Fridays, I always do Friday night squats at my place at like seven 30. And there's usually Sometimes there's four or five guys. Sometimes there's 10 people over training. Cause I have a nice, like I have a nice setup. Like I bought a nice monolift, um, nice bars, nice equipment. I got like, it's four cars full, full, full four car full of equipment. Huh. So and then it's like, you get like a nice little atmosphere going. So if I work to shitload the whole week, like that, just the atmosphere of being around other people and training and the, yeah. like the music, mm-hmm. I forget about everything. Forget about how much I work. Forget about, I got to go to work tomorrow. Forget about it. I got to get up early. It's just like, squat it's all matters and mm-hmm. like everybody's in the same mentality so it's, and then when you're prepping with somebody like usually i prep with my buddy cam we'll do like do meets together we can mm-hmm. always feed off each other too mm-hmm. and we squat about the same he's probably he's a little heavier so he's pushing the numbers a little bit harder but like it's always like a fight between us so it's nice mm-hmm. having that kind of not really a rivalry but just yeah. someone because if you're squatting 800 and everybody else squatting five it's not really it's just yeah. hard to get fired up for everybody yeah. like because i mean you want you want to me everybody's 100 is the same but when you are training heavy and you only got a couple weeks left to prep yeah. for someone to push you is what you for want. Sure. And yeah. he did that through the whole entire prep. So it was awesome. And he wasn't even competing, but he just matched all my numbers all the way up, which was cool. Okay. Cause it does help. Sure. So Saturday, Sunday, anything there? <clears throat> no, Done. I'm either yeah. picking up. I usually work a shift or two at work. Usually usually I always work Saturdays. Uh, Sundays I usually don't work. Um, usually I pick up a shift to work and then it's just help wife pick up the house. We'll do stuff for the kids, try to take them. Like right now it's pumpkin patch season. Yeah. So we do stuff with pumpkin patches, try to take them out as much as we can, stuff like that. So weekends I typically try to take off. I'm, I'm still in the mornings working. Usually Saturday, Sundays I work a lot more on the training business just because I have the more time in the morning because I don't have to rush to get out the door around six. Mm-hmm. So usually I'll do like a four to seven and then I'm done for the day. I don't mm. look at my uh, anything on the computer. I'm just down to check out. And then Sunday morning, same thing, four to seven on the computer. And then I'm done for the day. And whatever the kids want to do or wife's got lined up, we do that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that okay. helps with that balance part, you know? Sure. Sure. <laughs> so with the training, what if you go into a, 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 um, one step deeper or one layer deeper? So let's bench day. Like what, what exercises did you do this week, for example? Sets, reps, even. 
Well, this week's going to be a good example because I tore my lat. So okay. everything's right, right now is recovery on the lat. But typically in a, uh, say I'm in a, in a meat prep and I'm like a month out or whatever, I'll typically do, which is not like main uh, most powerlifters, is I'll basically move my main movement, which is the bench press, mm-hmm. to the end of the workout. Yep. So I'll do all my accessories basically before I even bench because we found out that it, one, it really doesn't take away from that main movement bench. Yep. And two, you're actually more usually warmed up for the bench. Like Absolutely. sometimes people say, oh, I don't feel good until I hit my top set. Mm-hmm. Well, then you weren't really warm, were you, the whole yes. time? Like, yes. So we move them, even for our clients we train, we typically have them bench later in the sessions. And they're like, hey, is this workout right? Like my bench is like my last thing. I go, yeah, do that for a reason. Like mm-hmm. it's it's part of, it's, there's a method to the madness, you know? Um, so usually it's like, I'm, I'm a big fan of bands. So anything I can do bands, like, band flies, band bench press, just to get that uh, movement. Cause I'm not a huge stretching kind of guy. I'd rather do active movement to get warmed up. Um, any kind of dumbbell work. And then w- with the bench press too, like I only straight bar bench probably five weeks a year. If I can, if I can get away with not benching on a straight bar, I do. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of multi-grip. Um, and then I'm a closer grip bench anyway, because I tore my pec minor and I'm like, I don't want to go through this again. Mm-hmm. So I move my grip in to save my pecs and then just hammer my triceps. Yep. Um, so, but I just don't think that the bench move is not just great. It's not great for your body, man. That's why people sure. tear pecs, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I'll try to do, get away with as much multi-grip as I can or like decently close grip before I move it a little bit out to like a competition style bench. And that'll, and half the time that's like three weeks out. Cause I'm like, oh, I just don't want to do it. I, I can get stronger with the variations rather than a straight barbell bench banging up my elbows, banging up my biceps, and then putting pressure on those pec tendons, you know? Yeah. So what, what type of exercises would be before a bench press? You, you uh, mentioned a few with bands. Yeah, I would do like a lot of uh, flies with bands, probably, probably at least 150 reps of flies on each pec before. Mm-hmm. That's like the first thing I'll do. Mm-hmm. I'll do some core, like some plank shoulder taps and plank front reaches. Um, then typically it'd be like a neutral grip, uh, dumbbell bench, maybe an incline fly, mm-hmm. uh, might do some like rear delts just to open up and then like a wide grip pull down and it's seated rows. Mm-hmm. And then that way my full upper body is warm. Like I know it is. Yep. And then the first time I take a bar, I want to benching. I feel good. Yes. Absolutely. Warm. I already worked out a bunch. Yes. Um, and that's typically how I do. I usually go for like five movements and then sometimes superset it in those movements. And then about this fifth or sixth movement is that is that main movement bench press yeah so what about deadlift and squat day what do, what do you do before the uh well a lot of it i was having some knee tendonitis issues so a lot of it i would do i would i get an old tire that i put dumbbells in and i put a belt on and i just walk backwards for like 20 minutes mm-hmm. that pushing away is like the best thing you could do for your knees and active recovery mm-hmm. so i typically do that before any leg day ever mm-hmm. Um, I'd always do a walk kind of around the, the streets here and then come back and my, my legs, I could basically squat right after that. Like I felt so good because your legs are pumped, your knees feel good. So I do that. I do, then I do like a lot of single leg isolation. So I do like single leg, step down, single leg, step up, single leg box squats. Um, then like any lateral movements I can do with like a, a hip circle or a band around my knees. Um, I have a leg press. So sometimes I do like hundred reps of leg press before I do anything too. And then now I got leg extension, leg curl. Cause I just got these machines like two weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I do some of that, but more as a warm up. Like I wouldn't do like, it's like on a leg extension, for example, at the end of a workout, I like to do like a lot of tempo stuff or like holds at the top. I wouldn't mm-hmm. do that before I heavy squatted because 
there's a, you know, I like to fatigue a little bit, but I'm, I don't want to beat the shit out of my legs before I try to squat. So it'd be more of like a warm up routine of a, you know, superset of a curl and extension, three sets, 10 reps, just moving. And then into the heavy movement. And then if I don't feel like I got enough out of it at the end of the, after I got done squatting, I would go do extensions and curls with tempo or, or holds or pauses just to, you know, really build that or break down that muscle fiber. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. How, uh, <clears throat> how you structured, I'm completely aligned with that after many years of, yeah, just feeling like you say you warmed up by that last rep of that heavy lift. And I'm like, yeah, like, right. And, and at the end, like, I'm, I have a limited amount of time. I don't want to BS around and I need yep. to get after it. So what is yeah. my most bang for the buck? And I would skip the warm up at times when I was short on time and just get into accessory work. And I'm like, wait, I feel amazing. And my lifts are getting so much better. My numbers are climbing. And like you're saying, I mean, that's how I structure my programs that I, that, um, that we offer as well. And I mean, it's, it's the same exact thing, getting your CNS fired up, getting your mus muscles right. activated. Cause even, especially after a weekend, <laughs> when like you start forgetting like your muscle memory whatever it might be like you start forgetting you don't have that same activation you don't feel your muscles all of a sudden when you start getting all those reps in all of a sudden boom you're ready to go and that's awesome with that with that leg uh or i mean with the with the tire drag that's that's uh yeah okay okay it helps a lot man i think especially for like we, we sometimes we focus on just prehabbing instead of rehabbing yeah and then like stuff like that is great for like prehab just so like we can prevent injuries because half the time it's just like you just don't want to get hurt like let's get to the prep without an injury you know that's half yeah. the battle sometimes for sure so so <clears throat> with this type of training how how do you focus on deload do you do any deload at all so the way we structure our programming is we do three week cycles mm -hmm. so it'll be basically the easiest way to break it down is like light medium heavy right and then the cycle starts over on on whichever main movement you have so say i'm multi-grip benching for three weeks mm -hmm. light medium heavy essentially when i start over i might be going to a close grip so the movement the main movement's changing so mm -hmm. with that we don't have to deload as often right so in a meat prep for me maybe I usually deload twice because the week of the meat obviously is the deload mm -hmm. but i'd still like the week of the meat the day before the meat i squatted four or five hundred hmm. i'm like i just want to move you know i mm -hmm. just like mm -hmm. to be in the gym i like to move and yeah. it was friday night squats so i'm like i can't miss it yeah i'm still gonna squat yeah i don't care if i have a meet tomorrow uh -huh. um so the week of the meets obviously deloaded or 50 percent ish of your uh of your openers uh -huh. and we're still moving always pushing blood uh besides that i took another deload about four weeks out just mm -hmm. because it wasn't so much the weights were killing me it was it was everything else. It was mm -hmm. the lack of sleep. It was the work. It was doing, you know, having 20 different irons in the fire. Like mm -hmm. it was everything else that was accompanying to be like, you need a break. And the weights are telling you, Hey, you can't keep up with us right now. Take a week mm -hmm. off. And I'm like, you just got to listen, you know? And that's when we get like a lot of lifters. If we tell them that like, Hey, you, you look like you're beat up, take a week off. Your sleep's probably shit, blah, blah. They're like, well, I don't want you know, they get nervous. I'm mm -hmm. like, you, you don't need to lift heavy all the time to be strong. We don't need to be strong in the gym. We need to be strong in the meat. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's kind of hard to train it sometimes because it's just a lot of like talking to the client. But for me personally, I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I just don't, like, I know what my body needs. And it's not lifting heavy this week. Mm. So it's, it's 50% everything, drop it, still go in the gym, still probably push accessories as much as I can. But that heavy movement just sometimes just not there. 
Mm-hmm. And you have to listen to your body because then people try pushing through the not there moments mm-hmm. and they get hurt or they just get disappointed. Yeah. So then the whole rest of the prep, they're like, why didn't I get that squat? I'm like, you just needed a deload. Like mm-hmm. you just need to relax. Yeah. And so doing this for long enough, I just like, I know when I need a deload, my body will tell me and I go, all right, this week sucks. Like this is not going to happen this week. We'll get after it next week. You know, we'll just push accessories and pull a tire around. It's easier. Yeah. How did all this obsession about working out, lifting heavy, how did all this start? Big question. Um, I guess it probably started when I was about 12. Um, we had a gym in the basement growing up. Uh-huh. You know, we had like the, the weeder home gym thing, you know, with all okay. the attachments and stuff. And then we had like uh, a power rack. And then for Christmas one year, my older brother got like the 300 pound weight set, you know what I mean? With the barbell uh-huh. and all the uh-huh. plates and stuff. Yeah. And then we just started my dad's like, you know, you're not just going to sit around in the summers because in the summers you're going to work out and you're going to split wood. Mm. So, cause I lived on a farm. So for our, we had propane, but propane is extremely expensive. So we would, we'd always go cut down trees and then bring it home and then cut firewood. Like, mm. so that's what you're going to do all summer. And then when I was like 12, it was, I don't time to step up and start doing all that stuff with my brothers. And we just started training and then we had friends come over and train. And then I don't know, it just kind of always stuck. And then, uh, I just never let go. Like we all kind of traded powerlifting style because you know, when you're especially getting into the high school years, everybody wants to be the biggest bencher, sure. who's the strongest. Doesn't matter yeah. about anything yeah. else, right. but just who's the strongest. So I always kept that mentality of who's the strongest. Uh-huh. So then eventually, like I had two older brothers, they were both stronger than me. Eventually, I passed them by well, miles now because I mean they're just not they're not one one's a, a surgeon and one's a um, basically a male gigolo in, in Austin, Texas. So like <laughs> our, our, our paths are very different. Uh, I just kind of really hammered with the powerlifting because I'm like, this is my shit. And then I was fortunate enough to have like a good gym like right down the road with this, with this guy I partnered up with named John Jersic. And he took me under his wing and I got to train with some of the best powerlifters in the world at like 19. Mm. So like that drive just and the fire just kept going. We kept throwing logs in the fucking fire and it just never quit. And even when our, the team kind of fell apart, uh, just moved into my garage. I said, I don't need it. I'll just train it myself. And then people started coming here. So I'm like, this worked out great. Were there sports involved during this too? Yeah, I played, uh, I played baseball for a long time uh-huh. and I played soccer for a long time. Um, like they were fun people just, down or what, like what would happen? <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I usually had like, I think I led the team in like yellow and red guards. <laughs> so I was just kind of an asshole and I worked out a lot. So I'm like, I was typically stronger than most of the guys just because like soccer yeah. players are not known for no. being strong. Uh-uh. So, and I like was, which didn't make me the fastest, uh-huh. but if I can catch up to you, you know what I mean? Um, so I played like a lot of high school sports and stuff, but it's just, I just did it because it was fun. But even then, so when I, when I, when I was in high school, I was doing, I decided to do bodybuilding competition. Mm-hmm. So and we had soccer practice every day from like whatever, four to six. So I'm like, well, I'll just do it in the mornings. So I'd get up at four in the morning. I go drive 30 minutes to the gym. I train for an hour, hour and a half, come home. I'd eat my eggs and protein shake. And then I go to school, soccer practice. And then sometimes soccer practice had the gym, but just were never adequate for me at the time. So I would just do it before. And then I go home and do it all. So it's like this kind of lifestyle, like it's always been doing it. It's yeah. not even knowing it. It's like, I even, I actually forgot about that. That when I used to get up early and train for the bodybuilding show before school and soccer practice, because I don't know, it's just now it's like normal, you know? 
Yeah. So even back then, like you were just, I mean, it shouldn't have changed, right? You were, you were optimized on a little sleep then too. It was just about getting out yeah. early. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Just getting everything done that I want to do, you know? Yeah. Why did you abandon bodybuilding? Um, it's just a tough fucking sport. Like it's uh, just hard. I mean, the diet I was super good on. Like mm-hmm. if I was told like eat this, this, and this, and this for every day for six months, I go, okay, no problem. It didn't matter what time. didn't matter what I was, where I was at. I had my food. Like that part was like almost simpler to me. Cause I'm like, I know what I'm eating. My body feels really, really good. Cause it's eating the same clean foods every day, uh-huh. but I just didn't, I lacked the size. So I was 18. I walk on stage like 145. Uh-huh. So it's fucking small, dude. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I kind of want to be bigger and stronger. Like, I don't want to be just how lean can I get? How big and how strong I can get, which obviously was a good venture right towards powerlifting. And that was when I was 18. And I was like, I'm kind of done with this bodybuilding shit. Cause I did it for, I did five shows over two years. And it was fun. I learned a lot, but I'm like, it's just not my niche. And then I got into powerlifting and I went from squatting like 500 to 700, like a regular, relatively short amount of time. I think when I was three years into the sport, I took my first world record. So I'm like, oh, this is my niche. Like, I'm yeah. good at this. Yeah. So then I just, then obviously I just kept running with it. Cause I'm like, oh, this is, I'm good at this. Let's keep going. Okay. Wow. So how tall are you? Yeah, not very. Five, seven. Okay. Um, and the food when you were doing bodybuilding, what was that like? Well, what did you eat? Let's see. I would be like egg whites and oatmeal in the mornings. Uh-huh. And then it'd be like a, a fruit or something midday. And then lunch would be chicken rice. Or if it was closer to the meat, it'd be like chicken and lettuce, you know, with like a no calorie dressing or whatever. Uh, then a protein shake for the fourth meal, quote unquote. And then the fifth meal would be like eight ounces of chicken or turkey or like 97% lean beef. And then possibly a carb source. It just depended on how far I was out from them. Basically, everything started out with more carbs. And then as you tailored towards the show, it was less and less and less. And like my body liked it. Like I ate super clean. Uh-huh. I lost like, you know, 20 pounds, whatever with it. And I uh-huh. felt pretty good. But I'm like, I'm just, I feel small and weak also, you know, just being that light. Like I was fragile. Yeah. How did that shift when you started powerlifting and your food? What was your <sighs> diet like then? So when I first started powerlifting, um, I was actually grouped with these older guys at this gym in this, uh, this town called Cortland. And they're like, yeah, you can just forget about diet, eat whatever you want now. And I'm kind of looking at the guys and they're like sloppy, older, overweight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, yeah, but I don't want to look like you when I'm 60. So I'm like, I don't <laughs> mind. Like, so like, I was, no, in my head. <laughs> but I was like, I know this is not good advice. Yeah. Um, so basically I just started eating more carbs and I would try to push protein. And then just, I mean, there was times where I would like go for a heavy push where I would try to put on like 20 pounds to lift heavier. But half the time when you do that, if you go for like a heavy push to push, put on weight, you're changing your, um, like your form, like your, your body is changing. Mechanics are changing. So you're like fighting yourself to find new ways to pick up the bar because you're fucking, you're fucking guts in the way now. Mm-hmm. So I eventually found and stumbled onto like, uh, I had a friend who, who runs a company here called hybrid. Um, and I, I became friends now I'm pretty good friends with the head nutritionist there and me and him worked together for like past four years and We're he got me on a better hybrid performance in Florida. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Hayden owns that. He's a friend of mine. Uh-huh. Um, and I got to talking to him about it. I'm like, man, I just feel kind of sloppy. Let me just try one of your diets. This is like four or five years ago. 
And he's like, oh, okay. He goes, he goes, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. Like, it'll all be free, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, right. I'm like, whatever. If they have to pay, I have to pay. It's not a big deal. But he's like, let me set you up. So I went with this guy called Francesco Catalano. And uh, I've been with him for four years. And we just, now it's more of we just check in with each other once a week. Hey, man, how's it going? How's the meat prep going? Like, all the shit. And then he'll, like, send me useful links. But, like, now, like, he dialed me in pretty good to where I used to track macros every day for, like, three years. That was, like, the big switch from, like, kind of, trying to eat healthy and like mm-hmm. but then when you do that like you didn't, i didn't realize how much protein i wasn't getting in like i would mm-hmm. eat like some days 120 grams of protein but just i just wouldn't think of it you know mm-hmm. and then when i started tracking macros it taught me better habits and like oh you suck at eating protein you need upper protein because that's the best way to look better it changes your body composition and you recover better mm-hmm. um so simple things like that and then after like three years of tracking i just stopped i was going through like a move we're moving into this house. I was getting married and all this stuff. I'm like, he goes, just take a break because you know how to eat. Just try to build on your good habits. And that's where I've been for a year now. Like even at this meet, I didn't diet down. I didn't do anything. I, mm-hmm. I just ate what I ate and I weighed in like a pound under my weight class. So huh. I just know how to eat now. Yeah. So that helps a lot. You know, and, I, and I'm, I didn't really get ever sloppy because I feel like the same thing. Like everything changes. So bigger is not always better if you sleep worse you can't move if i can't play tag with my kids in my front yard yes like what am i doing why are you you know what i mean so what you can try to squat 20 pounds more you can't play with your kids like it's just like which one do you want you know you want the best of both worlds so what does a day of eating look like right now um pretty simple i'll usually wake up my main thing is like how much protein can i get in in the morning and afternoon Uh so if i want to eat a little worse at night i can so like like this morning sure my wife will cook me like four or five egg whites sometimes like a steak or chicken with it and then like protein pancakes so that way i'm hammering the protein right off the bat and i might do a shake later in the day or fruit and like a bagel just to kind of fill me up a little bit and then lunch would typically be like last night's dinner so whatever it was so sometimes it's basically chicken and rice sometimes it's shrimp and rice steak and rice steak and potatoes like whatever it was from last night i would take that so your protein and a little bit of carb source and she always throws in vegetables to make sure I eat good. Otherwise, I just won't fucking eat them. Hmm. Um, and then, let's see. Probably around four, I usually have like uh, protein chips. Like, I, like I'm just trying to hammer that protein all day because hmm. I don't forget about it. Hmm. And then at night, it's whatever the old lady cooks for dinner. And she's always like knowing how I've always eaten for the past four years. She's always like it's always super low fat, moderate carbs, high protein. Huh. So whatever. Even if she does like a chicken parm, it'll be like either grilled chicken or air fried chicken that she buys. That's like super low fat and high in protein. And then like, uh, she'll make the sauce by hand and stuff. So it's, she knows what's in it. Yeah. So that helps a lot. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's a lifesaver. I, I almost don't have to think about my food because like half the meals she makes for me. Like I'm like, I'm like so fucking spoiled with it. Sure. It's, it's awesome. So even, even during a regular work week, it's similar to that. You just bring the food with you. Or yeah, work regular yeah. work week, it's like the first, because I'm guaranteed I'll be there for five days, like sometimes six, um, sometimes seven, but typically it's five to six days. It's like the same things in my in my bag every single day. Mm. Fruit, bagel, chicken and rice, protein chips, protein shake, like it's all there. And if I, you know, like, like you, for some reason I don't have something or I'm starving, I just go to the nearest place and get a chicken breast sandwich plain yeah. or with barbecue sauce because I know it's low in fat and high in protein. You know sure. what I mean? So. Yeah, and then my food goes with me. I have a little warmer on my truck that I heat my food up in, and I'm good to go, man. Okay. So 
it's a very uh you can say more of a traditional approach and i mean kudos to you for sticking with it i guess it's just become such an ingrained habit and yeah that's all it is just a habit you know yeah and your my body likes it like it likes sure. being the same trick you just yeah. feel better yeah so i take in the so i used to do that and then i shifted more towards now i do more higher fat i don't do the whole keto approach because when that happens it's just disaster pants right <laughs> right off the bat i i don't handle that well so I do fairly high protein, but I eat a lot of carbohydrates and I eat complex carbohydrates. So a lot of squashes, many different, like I even do grains. So grains from, um, we're talking rice, brown rice, uh, different types of, I mean, grass fed meats, chicken, fish, but variety of that, but very high fat. So we're talking probably eight, uh, tablespoons of olive oil on every single meal, but I only eat. Shit, yeah, but man, we're talking high lot. fat. Yeah, yeah. So that's high, and that's and that's cooked with a lot of fat too. But I eat two meals a day, a day, and I do intermittent fasting just because I realized, okay, I oh, go okay. a whole lot better with this. I'm curious with your approach when you hear that type of stuff. Like, what what is what comes up for you? Well, see me like I just typically I'm I've been low fat uh-huh. always. Yeah. Like right. ever since I started tracking, like even when we were like underweight at a meet i'd have like 60 grams of fat a day that was it mm. you know i mean I, I was heavier on like sometimes like one of these meats i did particularly i was like 500 carbs a day 60 grams of fat 220 protein because mm-hmm. my body was like a machine at that time i was just burning everything off mm-hmm. um but yeah that we, i've always kept low fats and for i think for a lot of like the clients we train we do, do nutrition as well yep. we typically typically fit um more macros towards a lower fat end. I mean, everybody's you know different, sure. but we we always typically do low fat, but to each their own, you know. Sure. Yeah. Are any of the uh, the powerlifters, any of the people that you've come across in powerlifting, like how how prevalent is like for example carnivore or keto? We've had a couple uh, clients and the people I know, but it's like kind of on your hand. Mm-hmm. Like most people, and then like you, we you see the sport of powerlifting switch about eight years ago ish with like Dan Green being in his prime. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, you can be jacked, lean, strong. Like it's like the the ways like the old fat sloppy powerlifter have really gone. I mean, look at like, I mean, not a great example, but kind of, but Larry Wheels. Like he was a power. I used to, I used to compete with Larry Wheels. Like there's a picture of me him sitting next to him in California before he blew up into this whatever international superstar, whatever he, yeah. you know he is now. But um yeah, you just like see these lean guys like, oh you don't need to be sloppy anymore. So most people like I would say they have like, I don't know, what I call an average diet, but I don't really see a lot of a keto or, or carnivore or anything. I think people hop on fads. Yeah. But people always go back to what they know. Sure. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. It's uh and it's, it's just not it's not hard. It's not hard to do. Like, you lose weight, you need a deficit. Gain weight, you have to have a, uh, you know, you have to eat more calories. Like, I just tell people, main people, people ask me for diet advice. I'm like, track your protein, eat more of it. Talk to me in six weeks. Because sure. if you can't do that, then don't talk to me. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to waste my yeah. time. Yeah. Because most people are protein deficient. If we go into Hawthor, uh, Bjornsson, I mean, the guy's beast i mean shredded as hell and i mean i think that for me at least that is a big big significant part of when i look at power lifters i'm like jesus there's a shift in in in, in this like th- you don't need there's, to be, yeah. have a big gut and really put up major nope. weight so right 
him being a big name, like what were people who were idols that you looked up to growing up or who are even like big names right now? Like, dude, I like how you go about lifting. I mean, damn, I admire you. Um, so at first it was like uh, the Lily Bridges. Right. Mm-hmm. So Eric Lily Bridges was one of the best in the world at the time. And he was young too. He was like 25. I'm like squatting. The time when I met him, he was squatting around nine and he was pushing a thousand pound squats. He pushed up to a 900 pound deadlift when we were training together and stuff like that. So like uh, he was one of them. I'm like fuck, and I got to train with him. So I'm like, yeah. oh my god. Um, and then it was uh, I don't know, like like Dan Bell's always been cool. Like we're mm-hmm. pretty fucking tight. So you know, like just watching him lift. Like he's been in my house quite a few times, even though he moved to Florida. And he would. It was funny. We would. Uh, I'm like, all right. Well, if you're in town, we're gonna go out. So we go out mm-hmm. to the bars. We're like drinking together, hanging out to like two in the morning, just being idiots. And then we'd come home, sleep until like nine. He wouldn't eat and we'd go train in the garage. And I watched him do like a thousand five spot for three reps <laughs> within 45 minutes. I'm like, what is wrong with you, dude? Oh. Like, it was like, like you haven't eaten anything. Like I told my wife, cause he came in for like a, a week maybe. And I said, yeah, you can, there's room in my house. You can stay here as long as you want, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, well, we got to get more food. Because Dan's got me as a 400 pound human being. The dude barely eats, no. drinks all night, and then squats a thousand for a triple. I'm like, all right, dude. Well, there's, I guess we're not all created equal. I'm like, what the hell, man? Um, so it's definitely cool. Like, like, I wouldn't so much say idolize him because he's just like, because we're, we're too close now. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, it's not yeah. like somebody like I see on TV or whatever. Sure. It's like, oh, you're just my buddy. I'll just call you. Uh, but it's definitely like cool just like to get, just get fired up to like watch him lift, you know, and then I would travel just to go help him compete, you know, it's yeah. just, we do that. We do that stuff for each other. So it's kind of cool to have that connection. He's got the biggest total of all time ever. Yeah. So that's, that's, you know, that's insane. So speaking of, we'll jump into a little bit of what you've seen him eat. Cause you say he barely eats, but also then we'll jump into your goals. What, what does he eat, Dan? I don't know. He's telling me like, cause his wife's Italian and they uh-huh. live down the road from like their grandparents. So she's always dropping off like chicken cutlets and stuff. Uh-huh so i know he eats a lot of that i know he eats like a decent amount but when i was hanging out with him like he had like one like after we squatted he was like yeah i'll have like a jimmy johns he had like one sandwich i'm like don't you want like two or three he's like no i just need one i'm like what the fuck dude (laughs) so he just i i don't know where i'm like how do you put on i think more for him it was like i just got to maintain this weight because i already i already ate my way up to 400 or 385 at the time whatever it was because i just eat when i want to eat and that's it yeah. Like, so I like barely even saw the dude eat for like a week. It was like the strangest thing ever. Jesus. It's weird. So yeah. sp- speaking of him having the biggest total ever, what, what are your goals? Well, I was thinking about that the other day too, because I've been kind of, because when I first started lifting, like I said, I hit my first world record at, at 21 and it was always in lighter weight classes. So I took it, I had 165 world record squat twice or I broke my own. Um, and then I had the 181 world record once. I had the 198 world record. These are all squats and reps. I had the 198 world record twice. Um, and now I'm like, I'm always banging against these same numbers. Like around, like the other day, I, just, I walked out 805 and the spotters took it from me. I tore my lat doing it, but I still think I could have got it. And walked out, you know, it increased the level of difficulty. But I'm like, I'm always right around 800. Uh, right before tearing my or uh, tearing my pec minor, I was around a 400 bench. And then right now I'm probably, I was probably knocking on a 700 pound deadlift if I didn't tear my lat when I squatted. So I'm like, those numbers are like, they're solid for 198. 
anywhere I go, I'm probably going to get first, like whatever. It's not really, I'm not really there for, you know, like the little trophies and stuff, but like, it, it's good. It's a solid total for 198 or, but I'm mm-hmm. like, I really want to squat 850 or 900. Huh. And there's no fucking way I'm doing it at 198. I might be able to weigh in uh-huh. at 198 and do it. Maybe, mm-hmm. but I got to be 220. It's just not going to happen. Anybody like Chad, I think it's Chad Penson. He squatted 881 at 198. But the dude was like 225 when he did it. I'm like, because I was talking to him at the meeting. Yeah, 220 or 225 or whatever. I'm like, all right, I need to get back to this. Like, I got to put on some weight. Because mm-hmm. I really like, in my lifetime, I'd really like to squat nine. I go, well, I'm going to have to be 220 or 230 minimum. So it might mm-hmm. take me another two, three years of not putting on sloppy weight, walking around the weight, doing a couple competitions at the weight. Yeah. But I'm like, I'd like to squat nine. I'd like to be a mid force bencher and I'd like to pull, you know, mid sevens, uh, deadlift. And that's within the next two, three years. Like I, if everything can, I can just keep chipping away. I'd like to be like, make a push to be 260, 275, maybe depending on where I'm at when I'm 35 <laughs> and, and try to push towards like a thousand home squats. Yeah. But I just know how heavy I'm going to have to be because if I look back at my training, I've always been able to do a four times body weight squat. I did it at 165. I did it at 181. I did it basically last week at 198. So I've always been consistently, whenever I gain weight, I can put on and do four times that and wraps on a squat. I'm like, so I just have to get heavier and just see if everything else will keep up. So mm-hmm. that's like long-term goals. Like that 900 would be huge. And I could do like 903 to meet on the squat. I'm going to have to be heavy. Um, thousand would be a lot. I'd have to be, pretty heavy for five seven frame it's just that's a lot of weight to put on yeah but i don't know we're gonna chip away i gotta squat 850 first and then we'll just start <laughs> chipping away at nine and then we'll see what happens yeah so what what keeps you just chipping at it like what's what's the drive behind it it's just like i've, I've done this for such a long time i love it or is there something like hey i'm gonna prove to someone like what what, what is what is the the deep driver well it's a couple of things one like there ain't nothing better feeling than having like eight plates on your back and smoking. <laughs> like just looking at the weight sometimes I'm like, fuck man, that bar is like, yeah, it's heavy. It's fucking, yeah. it looks heavy. I'm like, fuck man. But like, and then getting underneath it and fucking owning the weight and making it mm-hmm. like making 800 feel like 500. I'm like, fuck, this feels good. It took me a year to do this, but I'm back. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm here. It's that. And then like, I feel like it's slapping God in the face if I don't push because <laughs> I'm like, I'm built to squat, obviously, yeah. like yeah. not saying that the world records are easy, but they came very quickly. And like, uh-huh. I was in the career of your own powerlifting for two and a half, three years, maybe uh-huh. not even know what I'm doing for the first one. And then I squatted a world record. You know, so it's like, not that it came easy, but it's like it, for my body, I'm built to squat. Yep. So if I decide not to do that, it's like, Hey, you got built you this way. You're just going to fucking throw it away. Mm-hmm. Like push. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like it just, I feel like it's like in service not to do it. So yeah. just that keeps me pushing. And then like that extra five pound PR, that 20 pound PR after a year and a half of training, like doesn't seem like a lot, but that extra pound is like everything to me at some points. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. That's it. It's everything. It's all matters. So with the last meet, you tearing a lot. Do you want to tell us how that happened? And did you feel it coming on? <sighs> yeah. So like, so at this meet, it was USPA. So you had to walk your squats out, which I knew. So I started walking my squats out probably four months ago. So that really didn't affect me. I think it does take pounds off your squat just because 
you have to walk it around for a little bit before you slot it. Um, so I hit my opener at like 733. Easy, buried, dunked. Then I took 782. Easy. I'm like, oh, like even when I took the bar that day, when I was in the back warm up, I took 135. I'm like, oh, I'm a squatty hunter today. I already mm-hmm. know this. Mm-hmm. I have I, like some days you just fucking know when you're on and I peaked yeah. perfectly. So I'm like, oh, I know I'm good. So I took like, I was doing double plate flips in the back. I would go 155, 325, 500, 600, 700. I'm ready to go. Like in five, five sets, five reps. I'm, let's go. I don't need anything. Like I'm already warmed up. So then I took like, like I said, the 782, hit it. And I go, the USPA record was like 804, but you can chip in and take the record. So I'm like, oh, I'll just chip it. Give me 805 and a half or whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. And I walked it out. It was a little shaky on the walkout, but sometimes that CNS doesn't allow you to be, you know, straight and stiff. Mm-hmm. Like, cause I was shaking a little bit, like my head, I'm like, fuck. Um, but as soon as I settled and got the squat command, I'm like, oh, I'm good. I got this. I came down, hit my reps. Probably could have hit them a little bit harder, but I hit them pretty well. Came out of it. And then I just started to feel my left, because I was so tight, I started to feel my left lat like a little bit. And then before I knew it, I just felt like a zipper opened in it. Mm. And I'm like, I knew it was a tear. From tearing my pec minor, I go, okay, I tore my lat. And this was like, you know, it's, it's within what, in a matter of a second, two yep. seconds? Like it felt like everything was slow. Mm. I'm like, okay, I tore my lat, but I still feel good. So then all the weight shifted to my left knee, but I'm like, but just shift it back to your right. So I'm like thinking of all this as like in this one second. Yeah. So I felt it tear. I'm like, okay, shift, shift back, push. And I started to push out of it. I'm like, oh, fuck, I got this. Yeah. And then the, the judge goes, take it. And I'm like, what? Oh. I was like, well, you got to let me fucking fight. Because I was just oh. shifting the weight back to my other yeah. knee. Because I didn't want to squat it on one. Yeah. <clears throat> but I got called for downward bar motion. But to me, I'm like, the bar just shifted and never went down. But I'm like, I was fucking furious because one, I tore the lat and I didn't get the lift. So yeah. why there's the tearing lat. There's no reward. Like, Fuck. Yeah. yeah. I go, <laughs> me, man, this sucks. But I'm like, Hey, at the end of the day, you know, it's pro day. These people are lifting heavy. It's a judge's job to protect the lifter. I yeah. go, she, she saw something. She said, take it. I'm like, it's what it is. It's a sport. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah, after that tear benching is super hard. Like, I'm not a very good bencher anyway, so I need all the help I can get. And I was like, uh, like the goal that that meet was to tie my old PR because of all the injuries I've had. I'm like, mm-hmm. if I can get back to my old PR within like seven months, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that's that's awesome progress to me. Um, so I fell about ten pounds shy of that just because I went to go push like my last heavy bench. I went to like three sixty nine or three seventy five, whatever, and I opened up and I started to flare. And usually at that point, my the back will engage and you can push out of it. Sure. Well, the tear and lat is like, not today, buddy. So there's just no pushing out of it. And then deadlifts was like even worse because it was just pulling down on that yeah, lat. So absolutely. I like would just like, even with one plate, I'm like, oh, I'm fucked. <laughs> like, it <sighs> hurts. So I was just like, well, I'll just warm up faster and I'll just pull the weight faster so it doesn't hurt as quick. Cause I'm like, it's already torn and I'm already at the meat. Who cares? And it's not, it didn't detach. So there's no detachment point. So I'm like, whatever's bleeding out and tearing, it's just in the middle. Uh-huh. Like, I don't really care. Like if it gets worse, whatever. I might just add another week or two to my recovery. I don't uh-huh. like. I'm already at the meet. I don't give a shit. Yeah. So I end up. I'm like, I think I could pull my opener, which is like six thirty three. Pulled it. Hurt. I'm like, yeah, whatever. And then I wanted to do six seventy two, which would be a meat PR. I'm like, I could PR in a meet with a torn lat. I'm like, that's that's pretty good. I'll take that. 
pulled 672 with not too much of an issue, but that lat was starting to scream at me. And I'm like, uh, uh. but since losing that squat, I needed to take like 688 to have a PR total. Uh. So I'm like, well, I might as well try. I'm already here, whatever. Yeah. And I go to pull it, came off the ground pretty fast, but right around my knees, I started, I really felt the lat. I started started to feel it to roll, oh. like the muscle where it tore, start to roll up, and I started shaking. And I go, "This is it." <laughs> I yeah. started out. I'm like, "There ain't no fight." I fought it for like a second, and I'm like, "I felt that roll." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm done." Yep. So I set the weight down, but I'm like, I still had like a pretty pretty good meet, all things considered. So I was happy at the end of the day. And and the best part of the meet was when I started powerlifting. You would get to meet at 9 a.m. And you would leave at like 10 p.m. because mm -hmm. it took so long. It was kind of unorganized. This meet was started at 9.15. And I think we got awards at four. And I was like, oh, good. I can go to the bar. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> so me and my wife were like, we got the babysitter. The nanny came and got the kids or whatever. I'm like, let's go to the bar. So we had like four hours to go to the bar before we had to be home. Like, this is awesome. But that was wow. my favorite part of it. Like, I had a good time. Smooth meet. My, my lap tour, that sucked. But I go, oh, I got four hours to hang out with my friends and drink with my wife. Like, this is great. Yeah. So what are you doing now recovery wise to get you healthy? So I just got back into the gym this week. We usually tell all my clients and typically most people like, Hey, after a meet, after a tough prep, take the whole week off hmm. me being me. I'm like, yeah, I'm an exception to the rule. I don't need to take a week off. <laughs> and I have people come to my house to train anyway. So I'm like, I'm not just going to sit inside while they train in the garage. So I started rehabbing this week. Um, the first, first day or so of training was just like arms. What, what can I do? Let's assess issues because my left knee kind of hurt because I shifted all the weight on it. Yep. So I've been having to take off like probably another week of like squatting before I can really make sure that knee's okay. Um, so it's just like, okay, I can do biceps, do a little bit of triceps. I can do shoulders, backs out of the question the first day. Took a more couple of days off. And then uh, Friday night, we trained again because Friday night squats. It's not going to change because I'm injured or not a prep. Other people have meets to do. So people are coming over to train. And so I started rehabbing my back. Um, and for basically for whenever we rehab, it's just a simple approach. What here, here are a list of movements. What can you do? What can't you do? If you could do them, we start with like, so say I'm the seated row. I have a seated row in my garage. One-handed, 30 pounds didn't hurt. I guess you're doing 30 pounds this week. Hmm. Okay. 30 pounds. When you just push blood, 20 reps, five sets, 20 reps, whatever. So, okay. Yep. That doesn't hurt. I could do a, um, a straight bar row with a machine. Okay. Hmm. I could do 70 pounds. Okay, cool. Write it down next week i'll try 90 and like mm -hmm. so it's just basically i assess what i can do what hurts what doesn't hurt whatever doesn't hurt certain range of motions i'll do an increased weight and then it's just week by week what feels good and obviously it's healing the body's healing as it does um anytime there's an injury that's where all the blood goes so it's healing itself so i go every week it's just going to get better i'm just going to get stronger and then i would imagine by the end of the year i'll be back to deadlifting normal everything will be fine like i'm just not it doesn't seem like it, it looked bad when it started bleeding out because it bleeds out into the tricep mm. because that's where the attachment point mm -hmm. is and then gravity it's going to bleed down mm -hmm. so it's bleeding down into my tricep so everybody's like oh my god you tore your tricep it was mm. no it's just my back's bleeding out into my arm yeah but it like it hasn't affected me at work so i'm like it can't be that bad it just mm. And plus I deadlifted 672 on it. So how fucking bad could it be? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, it hurt, but it held. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just week by week analysis of what hurts, what doesn't, and can we increase weight? Sure. And then we go from there. So I would imagine within four to six weeks, I'll be probably pretty much back to normal. Start of the year, I'll be fresh-ish. I'll okay. be fine. So yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not too worried about it. <clears throat>
so going into your friday night squats any any uh heavy day like what i've heard some hardcore rap what what what's your music preference well for reference for my last heavy deadlifts in the meet i put on brooks and dunn she used to be mine uh-huh. which is like slow country uh-huh very country so like sometimes we'll, we me and my buddy will push like uh there's this artist named stitches like a complete like he looks like an idiot but his music gets us like fired up so sometimes it's like that heavy rap other times like my one training partner cam it's like slow country it's hmm. like uh one, one artist is called uh his music what the fuck's this song called it's called pine box he talks about how he wants to die in a pine box burying <laughs> in a pine box it's like the super saddest country song ever uh-huh. but it fires him up so that's what we listen to okay. my other buddy jacob he likes rap so we usually put on rap form and then for me it's like sometimes it's like heavy screaming in your face uh rap and then mm. sometimes it's just slow country mm. you know it just depends I mean, we're we're a little a <laughs> little different in an aspect i guess it's not always like that screamo rock early 2000 shit it's like sometimes yeah. it's rap sometimes you just listen to country and then sometimes it's just little rock in the background and we're good to go because everybody's yelling and firing each other up sometimes we don't even need music and then half the time like when i'm at a meet guys like what song you want i'm like i can't hear shit i don't know what's going on like uh, when i'm squatting it's silence like hmm. like i said like a two seconds of tearing my lad and like squatting yeah. like to me that's like a minute huh. everything's quiet i don't hear anything like i don't know it's just one of those like modes you get in sure. sometimes you don't need it yeah <laughs> so. looking back at your career what have been the toughest moments like shit this sucks um just some of the preps man like just go back with like the working and stuff like just sometimes you're just in the gym you know like 11 12 at night like by yourself Mm. everybody else is sleeping and it's like this is not fucking ideal Mm. like it's just not like i'd be benching like for instance one time like a month a month ago i was fucking we were crazy busy at work i'm benching by myself and I'm like barely getting my bench up. And I'm just like, I'm just like hanging my head. I'm like, is this even fucking worth it? What mm. am I doing? Like, would I even be better sleeping right now and trying like, I'm just not much of a morning work, worker outer. Like I'd rather work in the mornings. Yeah. Um, so like, sometimes it's just, it's just hard. It's like when you have people around it's so much easier to push mm-hmm. when you're by yourself and it's cold and it's dark and nobody else is fucking around. You have no distractions. Sometimes it's just like, man, this is tough. It's tough to be fired up. It's tough to, you know, to show up and, you know, but to me, it's just like, just punch the fucking ticket, mm-hmm. clock in, clock out, and you'll feel better in the morning. And I usually do. Yeah. But some moments it's just, it's just hard. Like you just yeah. don't want to be there. Yeah. You know? What are the, uh, the toughest obstacles that you've been able to overcome? Um, probably the combination of the lack of sleep it's just it's just tough it's just if i sleep more i'm gonna do less but i don't want to do less but it would be better if i did less so it's like it's like a constant battle in my head like you can sleep more but then you're not going to spend the two hours with your wife at night yeah. or you're not going to spend the two hours in the on the company in the morning like so there's like there's there's takeaways so i'm like well i could sleep less so that, that's definitely a battle of mine that I struggle with. Um, and then just, you know, having injuries, you know, training around them. Like, so for now, like for the next two months, it's basically going to rehab this lap and then everybody else, like my one buddy's going to start prep. So I'll be watching everybody train heavy hmm. 
while I do rows with 70 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's like, yeah. mentioning you're like, fuck, mm -hmm. you know, it's like being outside a party. You're just looking through the window. Like, yeah. Oh, that looks fucking fun. Let me be over here. <laughs> like, so mentally sometimes that's, that's tough, but yeah. I've always been pretty like I've never had a like mental, like any kind of issues. Like I grew up like, um, normal <laughs> I just, my parents have been together for 30 years we lived out on a farm i didn't really have any huge problems like i got in a little trouble when i was a kid but like nothing major so like mentally i'm like pretty fucking rock solid so that you know that really helps to like dissuade any issues like it just mentally i'm, I'm fucking pretty solid so that helps a lot so going into the mental piece are there any mental training that you do of any sort like do you do any let's say breath work do you do meditation do you do journaling do you or you just know who you are damn to the core and just get after it yeah i'm uh i just know the fuck i am like uh -huh. i just you know i kind of so my for instance my dad was in a when before he had kids he's in a biker club mm -hmm. so a, my dad growing up the toughest motherfucker i knew i'm like Somebody said, my dad's tough. I'm like, no, oh, my dad's pretty fucking tough. Like, he's just a tough dude. He had to be, you know, in, in the circumstances that he put himself in. Mm -hmm. So that, like, made me probably grow up a little harder. Mm -hmm. And even, not even always harder, because my, and it's the opposite. My mother was, like, an angel. Hmm. Like, literally, like, she came from heaven. You're an angel. Like, <laughs> three boys, you know, we had, like, but we had a good fucking growing up. So, like, mm -hmm. mental issues never really were there for me. And then something about... I, I, you know, this is a controversial piece that Jordan uh, Peterson talks about is you don't grow up until you have children. You mm, don't become yep, for sure. the man or the woman you want to be until you have to care for something more than you care about yourself. Yep. So having kids at, what was I? I'm trying to think my daughter's four twenty. Okay. So I was 23 mm. when I found out my girlfriend was pregnant um, at the time. No, she's my wife. Um, but like, so having that, you know, I grew up in this kind of, a, not a super hard environment. My dad, you know, was a bit of a hard ass. So it made us hard asses in, in a sense, but in a good sense. Um, but I was always kind of like a little bit softer, honestly, when I was growing up. Like I remember me and my girlfriend, I like, got in a fight when I was the woman I'm married to now, Amber. We got in a fight when I was like two weeks into dating her. And I was like such a fucking pussy. Like I cried, told her I loved her. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? But I was just kind of a little bit on the softer side. Mm -hmm. And then having the kid, um, Emery, when I, when she was obviously born, like when I was 24-ish, um, there was no crying at the hospital. There was no tears of joy. There were no tears of anything. Mm -hmm. There was this like ultimate realization, you better get your fucking shit together. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It was, it was more of grow up now. Mm -hmm. And there is no time to fuck around. And there's something to be said, and I've always said this, for being not just the toughest guy in the room, but someone being the someone someone can always go to and lean on. Mm. That is maybe the hardest person at that moment. Um, and this brings me to, like I'm saying my oldest is four, but I've told you, I think before offline that I have a 21 year old. Well, I'm 28. So that really doesn't make any fucking sense. right? <laughs> I can't have a kid when I'm seven, which I don't think so. I wasn't trying. That's <laughs> um, but we, uh, we took in, my wife's youngest sister when I was 26, 25, um, their father passed away. Their mother wasn't in the picture. She had nowhere to go. Um, 
So we went to the courts, we adopted her when she was 16, took her in. So then all of a sudden, another ultimate realization, right? After my first kid, ultimate realization, get your shit together. Now, that 20 year later, basically, you have a 16 year old mm. that you have to care for, to feed, house, you know, be basically, you know, whatever on the payroll. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you have to help be a, I wouldn't say be your father, but be a father figure now. Yeah, for sure. Like, and there's, there was really no, like, it wasn't even a hard decision to take her in. It was like, this is what's going on. These are the next steps. We have to go to court. We have to do this. Like, get it done. You're mm-hmm. our, you're, I was just telling you, are mine now forever. Um, but so that was another growing up thing. And then as soon as we got her, we had twins. Hmm. So like, that was like almost a blessing in a weird way that, you know, they were, whatever people say, like God works in mysterious ways. It was yep. weird how she came to us because we had twins very relatively soon. And that was tough because my, my other daughter was like 15 months old. And then I got these two new ones and I'm not good with babies. My wife's telling me to rock her a certain way. I'm rocking her. I'm sweating on her. The baby's sweating. I go, this is fun. Like, this is good fatherhood. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just like, not good until they're like one. So her, all of a sudden living with us, like the living aunt slash kid that I'm raising, like, was like almost a blessing in disguise having her. Um, And then just having all these things happen within like a 24 to 26, 27 year old time period was like, almost like a, almost just made me harder. And it makes me want to do more, provide more. And now she's in college so that, mm. you know, she's away at college. She's doing her own thing. But like I always say, she's still on the fucking payroll. So I still got to make <laughs> sure my shit's together. If she seems, needs advice or she needs to come home, I have to take care of that, which is fine. We're happy to do it. Me and my wife yeah. are happy to do it. But it's like, it's always a thing in my head. And then you're also like, you know, I'm 28 and I'm giving advice to a 21 year old, you know? Mm. So it's also like, that's my kid, quote unquote. Mm. So it's, it, it definitely, it, it adds to the level of difficulty, but the reward that you get out of it is it, nothing else matters. You yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. the, the reward of, of watching her grow up and seeing her with our kids and stuff like that. It's just, it's more rewarding than anything. Like just knowing like that you always did the right thing, you know, taking mm. her in and whatnot. So mm. it's, it, it's definitely a cool aspect, but it definitely like, it's making me tougher and harder when, you'd almost think like having four daughters make you softer. Like I went the exact opposite way, which sometimes does, it doesn't really help. Uh, it makes it harder in my, in my marriage just cause like I have this, such this tough guy mentality of like getting everything done. And then plus I want to do a million different things sure. all while making sure everything, everybody else is taken care of. Um, so it, 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 it adds the degree of difficulty, but the reward is fucking awesome. You know? Yeah. 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 For sure. Having a daughter myself. I mean, it definitely, had me scale back, but in the same time, step up for sure. And scale yeah, back, yep, it, it yep. did make me softer. And I have this theory that if you're a man and if you have a daughter, you have, and especially for you, there, there's a reason, like there are lessons to learn. There's some lesson to learn about the feminine that probably you need. I know for me, myself, I needed to soften. I, my ego needed to be tempered. I needed to be humbled. I needed to step up and do things for others and not myself. So I'm glad in the sense that I didn't have a son to not, cause I already go yeah. wild so many times. I, I didn't need more yeah. wild energy in the household. So, right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and it kind of sounds like that to a degree for yourself as well. You, but you give me your opinion on that. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it just it shapes everybody differently. But the the stepping down and stepping up, like yeah. only people who have kids will understand what the fuck you're talking about. Like, mm-hmm. and I'm like, when you said that, I'm like, spot on, dude, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because it's like you need to back off certain things, but then step up as a person, you know, mm-hmm. personally. Um, so yeah, but like, I think I know what you mean when you say like a little bit softer, like, because at first, like, you know, all this shit going on, right? So like. It's making me hard as a person taking someone else in the, 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 the process and then having all these kids in a relatively short period of time, yeah. um, you know, made me want to step up and then step down because you were saying, um, but also like the softness will still come in through like the, the, the for me, it's tough to have one-on-one re- interactions with my kids because they're all roughly the same age. They all like to take one away from the group, the others will start freaking out almost, mm. you know, it's, mm. it's hard mm. to like separate when there's three of them. Yeah. So like, but yesterday, for example, I was cleaning up, we, we had our pool closed and cleaning up and putting everything away and putting all the launchers, all the bullshit away. Cause you know, it's getting cold here. Mm-hmm. And like, I was my one, my two daughters didn't want to help. They wanted to help mom bake and make uh, pizza and stuff for dinner. I'm like, okay. So I'd hardly my middle, middle child come with me. And it's like, someone that small and it can just break you down mm-hmm. you know what i mean like she slipped yeah. and fell like I, my, my knee's killing me i sprinted across and then she slipped and fell like three steps like she was fucking but like that like you sprint across grab her pick her up hold her and then you're like this is the softness mm-hmm. that you don't you can't read and do you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like moments of being with your kids and then having them being like you know, your whole, you know, it's your whole world. You know, you care about them more than you care about yourself. It makes you saw, and my wife will see it with me. And they're like, it's weird sometimes when situations are escalated, like kids are screaming, yelling, my wife's frustrated, I'm frustrated. I'll get calmer in those times of high stress Hmm. where most people get more stress, more louder. But I've always tried to implement that louder is never better. Better Mm -hmm. is better. Mm -hmm. So I'll get calmer as things get escalated. So I think having all the daughters that I have has brought down that, like that softness of me where I can look through a situation, step away. And for me, kids being young, you just fucking calm down and distract. That's all you have to do. Hey, come look at this. Hey, do this. You're crying about something. Did your sister do this? Whatever. Hey, I'm gonna pull you away for a second. Look at this. Hey, look at this funny picture on my phone. And then like, to me, it's all distraction. And then being able to be the voice of reason and softening, you know, sometimes it's me. Sometimes my wife can do it and I'm getting stressed out just because of, like you said, when sometimes you have lack of sleep, eventually it's going to fucking catch up with you. Eventually it fucking catches up with <laughs> yes. me. So you just get frustrated easier, yeah. you know? And it's just like, it's funny because people always say like, Hey, you know, you're going to miss these times, step back and look, but I do a very good job of stepping back and looking while I'm in the moment. It's like telling you about when my daughter fell. Mm-hmm. Not a huge deal. Slipped a couple of stairs, but like that moment of holding her knowing like, one day you ain't going to want me to pick you up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I'm always mm-hmm. like conscious in those moments and softer in those moments when you have to be. And other times you got to be, you know, like the hard, like, like for instance, like I'm saying someone has to be the hardest guy in the room at the funeral of my, my father-in-law. Very sad. He was very young. He was like 42. You know, mm-hmm. we, every, we have all these problems. We're going to take Kaylee in. That's the, uh, this one year old, 21 year old, but you ain't going to fucking catch me crying because it's not the time you know what i mean like you have to be soft but you have to be hard because if i'm crying what the fuck are they gonna do they just lost their dad and there's my wife's got three younger siblings so there's four of them and it's like 
at that time you have to be the hardest. So like those moments like that almost make me harder and tougher and like almost hey turn the fucking emotions off for a while, which hmm. makes other parts of you know life hard, but it makes a lot of other parts of life easy for others. So like that balance that we talked about is it's tough because sometimes there ain't no fucking balance. You know, you yeah. have to be one or the other. So I mean, as long as you have awareness, as long as you know what yeah. you're doing and you don't get stuck in that state and don't know how to get back, then, hey, I think, I mean, it's all about that. It's If, if you yeah. have awareness, consciousness behind it, for sure, man. Yeah. Oh, and then having a good partner at home, you know what I mean? Yeah. She, oh, she, could see, she can read yeah. me before, you know, before I can get in the door sometimes yeah. and she knows. Like, So having that is more that, I, I, you know, you'd, you'd be lost with her. You'd be stuck in one or the other, you know, without her. So that helps a lot. So I'm curious now, nature versus nurture, you probably have the most interesting, if you look from the outside and you saw on paper, you and your three bro- or two brothers, the three of you and how you would like, how would you describe each brother? I'm like, whoa, like, yeah, how, that, already... how did that turn out? <laughs> so like, I have an older brother, but it was funny because we we're all in high school at the same time. My brother mm-hmm. was a senior, my other brother was a sophomore and I was a freshman. So like oh. half the time, me and my middle brother, yeah. We'd be in detention together, so we'd be able to ride home together because we're always yeah. fucking off. I'm like getting in fights and being idiots, you know what I mean? Like these kids are. But yeah, talk about three different people. Like my one brother is, uh, he's a trauma surgeon in mm-hmm. Chicago, mm-hmm. like which is Chicago's notorious for being just terrible. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like so many shootings and killings and stuff. And he's he's in Chicago, a surgeon, like Dr. Callis. Like, it's, you know, it's kind of funny. And then, you know, my other brother's in Austin, Texas, and he's about 30 now. Um, and he's just wild, man. Mm. Like, uh, the best way I can describe it and the easiest to relate is Dan Bazarian, the 30 and not mm. rich. Like, mm. he does well for himself, but he's not a multi million dollar poker player. But that's like what he is. Like, always surrounded with all these women. And he's in Austin, Texas, and just like moved there 10 years ago, decided Illinois sucks. I'm out of here. I'm going to try something new. And then just because I ain't never coming back. And now he's like this somewhat of a, you know, kind of gigolo playboy down there, but, you know, he's living his life. And he fucking, I think now getting into his thirties, he's like, I'm kind of done with this. Yeah. You know, it's time to settle, kind of time to grow my roots into something else, a little more meaningful. So I think yeah. he's finally coming to that realization. But again, like, like we talked about, you don't grow up until you have a kid. Mm-hmm. You just don't. Yeah. So I think that, you know, in the next five years, that's going to be a big step for him and then growing up and, and learning that. Um, but it, yeah, it's definitely like, because you have me doing the multitude of things I try yeah. to do every day. And then the surgeon and the guy that's at th- sending me these hilarious Snapchats and telling me these awesome stories of how he is in Texas. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. the three, but then, you know, my, my parents couldn't be prouder because, you know, we're all decently successful. We do well for ourselves and like, mm-hmm. You know, we never, like, like I said, we never had any problems growing up. And yeah. we just didn't. Like, my, my wife's like, oh, what's it like having a normal childhood? I'm like, well, you know, this is what you get out of it, a normal guy. You know what uh, I mean? Uh, uh. So, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting seeing, like, getting all three of us together is like a super fun time. You know? So, wrapping it up with a few questions. Uh, if you look at yourself 10 years from now, like, what, like, what type of advice do you think you would give yourself? And that is one part. Let's start with that. I would probably, hmm, that's tough. Because part of me says I would tell myself to slow down mm. and focus on things one at a time instead of doing like, hey, I want to do tree trimming. Hey, I want to do this on the side. Hey, I want to start bull riding. Hey, this business is great. Let's do something else. 
um, probably tell myself to slow down and just be in the moment a little bit more. So like, so like even now, like knowing this, trying to live, you know, conscious of, of being super busy and then being at home and trying to be, you know, a better father. Yeah. Like others always tell myself, like, cause my phone is always going off mm. always. If it's not somebody, it's something. Mm. So it's like half the time I'll just take it and I put it on the counter far away. I plug it in, I put it down, I put it on vibrate. Mm. Like if work calls, it's a separate ringer for that. If I have to go in, but sometimes like you got to fucking separate. Mm-hmm. So like, living in the moment is definitely one thing I need to get better at. And like, I, I constantly try to do it. But that's probably one thing I would tell myself is just, if you're not going to stop doing a million different things, when you are doing the one of the things, fatherhood, whatever it is, be in that moment for as much as you can and be that hundred percent that they need, even if it's only for two hours. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that that's a big one that I would, I would probably like to be better at. And looking back, I'd probably tell myself to be better at. Mm. I think that's just uh, an amazing way of wrapping it up too. Tom, it's uh, sincerely, it's been a pleasure. I mean, what strikes me about you is that you have so many irons in the fire, yet still you are incredibly level-headed. You know where you're at, you know where you stand for, you know what matters. I damn sure, I mean, my priorities, not always the best. So damn much respect to you for doing it and not even having designated practices. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, like, there's so many people, even like I've gone into like mindfulness stuff. When we talk about deep meditations, deep breath work, all that stuff, mm-hmm. seeing you just execute. Damn. Thank you for, for putting that out into the world and just you being you and knowing who you are and putting that effort into everything that you do, you're making a difference. So thank you for being a change maker. Yeah. I appreciate it. Man. Now this is a, uh... It's fun, like I said, when you podcast, sometimes you don't get to talk about yourself because you're talking about someone else so much. So, like, someone listens to this, they're going to learn a lot more about me, mm. even though I've recorded 100 episodes on a podcast. So it is kind of nice to, like, not therapy, but, like, almost, like, whew, put it back mm. out there. Like, this mm-hmm. is what I got going on. Yeah. And, like, sometimes it's, it's good because other people, people get fucking fired up about it. Like, oh, yeah. this, like, I'm, dude, I'm a fucking idiot from the middle of nowhere, thousand people town, one hallway high school with 40 people that we graduated with. Mm. Like, I'm no from nowhere if i can do it oh 100 like they always say if i could do it you could do it like 100 percent, you could yeah I, you know what i mean just from nothing small town to doing whatever it is whatever, whatever i want providing like yeah. anybody can do it you just that's what people i do get that question a lot like with motivation how do you still train how do you still do it you're like you just get up wake up and do it yep. it's not it gets hard but sometimes but it's also like if you have a couple more hours a day because you decide to sleep less, you can get a lot of fucking things done. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's just, I, I just hope that I can drive someone else to do the same things, you know, maybe not do as, as many things as I do, like focus on smaller things at once. But like, I just, I always want to be that driver. Like sometimes I'll go on Instagram and I'll do some rants and stuff just because I'm like, I don't want to show up. off that I'm working with. Please keep that up. <laughs> Freaking amazing. But like, yeah. the, right. But people do like, they appreciate yeah. it. Maybe it's one person, maybe it's fucking a thousand people, but I, a part of me wants to make sure I'm humble. I don't want to be mm-hmm. a fucking asshole. Like, I look at me. I'm fucking midnight. I'm squatting. Like, yeah. no, this is not ideal. Don't do this. Yeah. But if you're gonna, you know, be a hundred fucking percent, commit, 
yep. get up early, stay up late. You know what I mean? Cause that's where you have to be for hopefully this is not forever, but if, if it has to be like this way for 10 years and so be it. Mm-hmm. But I just hope that it fucking fires someone else up to do just one more extra thing or just, Hey, step away and, and be a better dad for those two hours that you have your kid, put your phone down. Well, Tom said that he, he does it. That's why I want to do it. Like yeah. just little shit like that. I'm like, God, I hope I could just push that out and somebody else can fucking ingest it and, and listen and, and you know, do something that I say and take forward and be a better person because of it. Because that's all that fucking matters, right? Boom. Boom. Tom. Man, I'm fucking fired up, dude. Fucking, hey, I'm yeah. Fired up. I love it, dude. Go get it. Awesome. Family time. Yeah. Halloween. Right. Get after yeah, it. Halloween, man. <laughs> I got to go dress up. So. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Woo. Okay. Tom really knows himself, so damn, I am grateful that he's out there doing the work that he is, putting in the hours, and he's seeing the feedback, he's seeing the gains, he's seeing the results. It's not always pretty, but he gets it done, and I think a lot of us have a thing or two for to learn from that. Of course, I've done that myself. I also, I can't speak enough to this, is rest, recovery, do silence do meditation do something that keeps you sane with him he surely knows what it is for him and that's amazing we all work differently if you want to connect more with tom and see what this amazing just performer is up to all the show notes have the links to his social media to his website and so forth and if you want to check out our programs which are phenomenal seven day free trial you have the gymnastics crossfit you have calisthenics I and mean, you have a little bit of everything there are two mainly there's three they're in the, that we're working on right now as well and i do these programs there's a reason why i and we have them up there because i didn't find anything that was as methodical as thoroughly thought out everything had everything chopped up or it was randomized or it was just a sliver of what i wanted this actually incorporates what i always wanted Give it a try, Safina all caps 15 to get 15% off your first month. And if you haven't done so so far, please leave five stars. If this show helps you, scroll down on Apple, hit five stars. It literally takes you five seconds. Hit like, subscribe. I truly appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much. And I'm sending you so much love. Until next time.